Welcome. We are in a series talking about offense. And uh, it's funny, as we talked about last week, like Jesus said that, that in the last days, many would be offended and the love of many would grow cold. Um, that's, that's a quote from Jesus. And, and I would just say this, like in, in our attempt to look wars and rumors of wars and pestilences and earthquakes and, and blood moons and all of these other signs of things that we cannot control, last time I checked, um, we should be about the things that we can control that Jesus warned us about would be in the last days. And I would speak this as a prophetic word over you that, that unity is the emergency. In the last days, you know, Jesus prayed in John 17. He prayed for, for his disciples. He prays for those who would come after, and that would be you and I. He prayed for unity in, in the body of Christ. And if in the last days that many would become offended and the love of many would grow cold, then unity is the emergency. And so I just wanna, I just wanna speak this, this over you. If, um, if we are in fact in the last days, then um, this should be no surprise to you that our current culture is so highly offendable. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed recently. Um, man, we will cancel you at any given moment. Like, if I, don't, if I don't like something you say, you are canceled, bro. Like, you're, you're done. Like, we are very highly offendable. Everybody seems to be offended about everything. It's almost like the magic word to get whatever you want is, I'm offended. Used to be please, right? Not anymore. Not anymore. I just can get you to do whatever you want is you just say, I, I, I'm offended. And so we... We have our social media news feeds and our cable news sources that seem to spin information really into offenses. It's almost like if you're, if you're not offended, you're not paying attention. And uh, people will essentially be offended if you're not offended that they're, if you're not offended enough of what they're offended by, then they're offended at you for not being offended enough. It's true. You know it's true. Uh, and, and, and it seems like things have amped up for the past two and a half years. Um, things have gotten increasingly more and more volatile when it comes to offenses. And so when we, we read Jesus saying that in the last days, many will be offended and the love of many will grow cold. I mean, this is the sign of, of the last days. And I was thinking this week, um, and you're wondering, like, this is not a grill, um, <laughs> People are like, oh, we're having a barbecue, and it's not a grill. Uh, it just looks weird because um, I have, a, I have a, something under here that, that I'd like to show you. Um, I was looking at my lawn this week, and I use that term loosely. Because um, <laughs> if you live in Maine, we don't really have lawns. Like other, other states, other peoples have lawns. Did you know this? Like with grass, real grass. Did you, I've seen pictures, right? They're beautiful. Um, but most of us... Um, well, most of us, our, our lawns look a lot like this, and I actually brought you a little bit of my lawn. I literally dug it up um, in my backyard. <laughs> and um, I don't know if you've ever seen this before. Um, it, it, looks, it looks like like grass, but kind of, because it's green, it, but, it's, um, but it's actually crabgrass. If you've ever, if you've ever seen crabgrass, I figured I'd... Bring it in. I have a whole bunch of it if you need some. Um, anyone else have a lawn that looks like this? Like your lawn, you're like, dude, that is a picture of my backyard, right? Like that, that is 
That seems to be many of our main lawns, especially this summer. Um, it's called crabgrass or digitaria. Um, I think it's ischemum, ischemum, which for you horticulturalists in here, you'll appreciate that. Um, you're welcome. It's the only thing that seems to thrive in my lawn. That's it. Everything else is brown and dead, except for this beautiful stuff. Um, and, uh, and I've attempted to grow real grass in the past. And if you've, if you've ever done this before, it's, it's, it's maddening. Um, you aerate, you, you, you plant seed, you, you, you put uh, like that straw over it, you, you water it every day, you sing to it, um, and then you get dirt. And this stuff, after a, after a couple months, this is, this is kind of, of how it looks. And I thought to myself, as I was surveying my, my lawn, a fence is a lot like crabgrass. It's a whole heck of a lot like crabgrass. I mean, think about this. Like, it literally, it, it comes out of nowhere, right? Nobody intends to plant crabgrass. Nobody's like, oh, I'm just like, what are you, what are you doing? I'm, I'm just planting, planting this stuff, this, this crabgrass, right? I'm just hoping that it's going to thrive here. Oh, it, it, it always thrives no matter where it is. It comes out of nowhere. It literally blows, the seeds blow in on the wind as a blessing from your neighbors, right? They, they figured they would share some of their, their bounty with you, and so it just blows over into, into your, your backyard. Crabgrass can grow anywhere, too. I don't know if you've, if you've realized this. Um, uh, I don't even have to water it. Heck, it, it is literally growing in the crack of my driveway. Like, the, the very small crack of my... I have this stuff growing. I have no idea how, but it is, it is literally growing in the cracks of my drive. If you give it an inch, it will literally take a mile. And it's, the thing about crabgrass, it's really hard to, to pull out because the, the roots... Like, check out the root. I literally dug this sucker up. Like, look at that. The roots grow growed really, really deep, really quick. And it's really hard to pull it out. And if you don't get it all out, it comes back, doesn't it? Like you gotta get it by the root, but check out that root ball. Like if you don't get that whole root ball, then, then just give it another couple of weeks and all of a sudden you're like, oh, crabgrass. Again, it's, it's here. Super hard to, to remove. And it's really sneaky. What do I mean by sneaky? I mean this, that it keeps a really low profile. Do you see that? Like it doesn't grow up like normal grass. It grows sideways. So you're like, you're like mowing your lawn for the three times you did this summer. And you're like, you're just going, you're just mowing your lawn. And it literally, the blade goes right over top of crabgrass. So you, you go, you're like, I gotta get rid of this crabgrass. I'm gonna mow it down. It'll look better. No, not crabgrass. Crabgrass stays exactly the same when you go over it with a mower. It's so sneaky. It's a lot like fences. It keeps a low profile. So you don't always see it for what it is. And even when you try to go through and mow it down, it just is so elusive. It's a lot, it's a lot like a fence. Once the seed of a fence hits the soil of your heart, it quickly grows into a root of bitterness. And you don't have to do anything to help it grow. Did you know that? In fact, if you don't do anything, it will grow. That's how a root of bitterness works. That's how an offense works, right? Like when it hits the soil of your heart, if you don't do anything, it will grow. That's how crabgrass is. It loves dirt. 
It loves the soil of anyone's heart. It will, it will grow, it will spread on its own, it will grow on its own, and it is super hard to kill. And the enemy of your soul will do anything and everything that he can to plant small seeds of offense that will grow into a root of bitterness in your life. Why don't you stand with me as we read Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to read verses 14 through 16. And he says this, Make every effort to live in peace and with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root, you can see that? That no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Let's pause there. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that... um, And you're like a radar on our hearts oftentimes. And I pray that over each and every single one of us this morning, that that nothing would hold us back from the growth that you've called us to, that, that no matter how big that coat feels on us, as we wear something that feels like it's so oversized, I pray that we would grow and continue to grow up to be more and more like you and that no, no, no offense or root of bitterness would stall out that growth in our life, that we can be free no matter what they've done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. You can be seated. It's really like... Uh, kind of interesting. Uh, verse 14, he says, like, make every effort. There's this, um, there's this onus that, that the writer of Hebrews puts on you as a believer. He says, make every effort, which means like, make every effort. <laughs> make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. In other words, make every effort to get along with others and with God. And, and please, I want to just set the stage here before we get into the word too deep. Like, Please do not think that this message is just a can't we all just get along message. This is this is not like oh you know just like just love people more like just try harder. Like that is not what this is about. If it was that important that Jesus would pray for us about it in John 17 and he would prophesy about the last days that many would be offended and that the love of many would grow cold, then what we're talking about here this root of bitterness and how offense can grow a, a, a fruit of bitterness in our own life is is the emergency it's the, it's, the, it's the emergency that Jesus was talking about for the last days. It's the one thing that we can control in all the signs of the ends of the age. So there's something bigger at stake here is my point. That, that I think that, that, that God sees and that Jesus prophesied and the writer of Hebrews talks about that we often miss. And sometimes it's so sneaky that our mower blade never catches it. He says in verse 15, Again, not only make every effort, he says, see to it, which means see to it. If you look it up in the Greek, it means see to it. See to it that no one fails to, be, to, to fall short of the, the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up. And I want to speak this over each and every single one of us. Like your life is too short and your calling is too great to allow your, to, to just live offended, to live in offense. Because offense grows a root of bitterness 
that will ruin your heart. It'll ruin your peace. It'll steal your joy and degrade your life because bitterness always grows. It's kind of like crabgrass. Bitterness always grows when left unchecked. Now, people are always blowing the crabgrass seeds of offense on your, day, on your lawn all day long. Like the Bible says that it is impossible that offenses should not come. So, so every day your neighbors are just allowing their crabgrass seeds to just blow onto your lawn all day long. And you know it. And most of the time they don't even know they're doing it, right? But you have people doing stupid all day long and you're just like, man, I w-. they have no idea that they're doing stupid. Like they have no idea how it's affecting you. They have no idea that the offense that it's causing in your heart. And this is, this is the, I love how Paul writes about this in, in Galatians chapter five, verse seven. Let me just read it to you and allow it to just speak over your life. He says this, you were, you were running a good race, verse seven. And then he asks the question, who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? I mean, like that, 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 that one sentence could preach. Who's cut in on you? Who's, 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 who are you allowing to slow you down? Who's cut you off? Who cut in on you and, 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 and now has caused you to stop running a good race? And I would say this over, over myself, over, over each and every single one of us, like, you cannot stop other people's stupid, but you can stop other people's stupid from having power over your life. Like, like you can be free no matter what they do. And that's what I want to talk about today, that as things, the blowing crab seeds of, of offense blow onto your lawn, and want to grow up a root of bitterness, what does it look like? What does the fruit of the root of bitterness look like? How do, how do we know when our mower blade doesn't hit it, how do we know that something's off, that something's wrong, that this isn't grass, this is crabgrass. It looks green, but it's not what we want planted. It's a weed in our heart. He says this in verse 15. He says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and, and, and that no bitter root grows up. And then, and then he, these two words, that they don't grow up to, to cause trouble and defile many. So when we're talking about what, what does the fruit of a root of bitterness look like? It causes trouble and defiles many. Bitter roots will cause trouble for you and defilement for many. Trouble for you and defilement for many. Now, we all know what trouble is. Y'all, y'all you know, like your, your weekend, this past week has been full of trouble and trials and all kinds of stuff. But, but that word defiling, it's kind of like a churchy word. We don't really use it in everyday com- you know, conversation. You're not like, oh, I just felt like you know, I was going today and then I just felt defiled. Like, we don't use that. That's not a normal term that, we're, that we use in everyday life with your coworkers. And so I thought it would be important. We, I looked it up, like the Greek word of of that word defile is may I know, and it means this, to stain, to, to dye with another color. 
bitterness will stain you. Bitterness will contaminate you. Bitterness will steal your joy. Bitterness will rob you of your peace. Bitterness will quite literally change you. And if you struggle with bitterness, then you absolutely know what that looks like. Like it is a weed that will choke out the fruit of the spirit in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Like all of those things get choked out by a root of bitterness. Think about this. Like you, you can't be bitter and have joy. You, you can't be bitter and have patience with people. <laughs> you, you can't be bitter and, and love people at the same time. It's very difficult to hold those two things in tension. In fact, I would say this, that, that sin can be traced back to a root of bitterness towards God. All sin can be traced back to a root of bitterness towards God. Think about this. Like if we go all the way back to the first sin, and you're like, well, Adam and Eve. No, no, no. I mean the first sin. The first sin happened in heaven with Satan, Lucifer, right? Go all the way back to the first sin. Why did Satan rebel? What was it all about? Remember, he felt that God was holding out on him and he tried to exalt himself to be like God. So he rebelled because he had a root of bitterness towards God. The very first sin. And Satan has been trying to sow seeds of offense that would grow a root of bitterness in humans ever since. The second sin, right? We see this, Adam and Eve. How does he tempt Adam and Eve? What does he do? It's not about the fruit. It's not about this, this like, nice little apple, right? This, oh, it looks oh, so pleasing to eat and all those types of things. Think about what he did to Adam and Eve and how he deceived them. Satan tempted Eve by telling her the same thing that he believed. God's holding out on you. He just thinks that like if, if you take a little bite from this fruit of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then you're gonna be like him and he doesn't want that. They already were like it, like God. The Bible says that we were created in his image, in his likeness. And let me just tell you, Satan is always trying to promise us something that we already have in Christ. It's just a distortion of the same thing. He's like, oh, you know, if you take this and you're gonna, he's afraid you're gonna be like God. You already are like God. Why in the world would you, would you need to, to oh, I, well, you know, the God's holding out on you. No, 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 no. But, but Eve received the seed of offense and it quickly grew into a root of bitterness that she shared with her husband and they both rebelled against God. Because of a root of bitterness. And it continues. It continues from there. Like, why did Cain kill Abel? Because he had a root of bitterness towards God because God looked with favor on Abel's offering and not on Cain's. And so he kills his brother. We can keep going on and on and on and on. I mean, you got Jacob and Esau. You got Joseph and his brothers. You have the Israelites. Even today, think about today, like not necessarily even you right now, but like think about our culture. Do you ever wonder why people are so offended at the name of Jesus? It's weird. It doesn't even make logical sense. I mean, you could talk about all kinds of other spiritual things. You could talk about Buddha all day and people are like, my goodness, you're so deep. And like you used to say the name of Jesus and they're like, get your religion out of my face. Why is that? Because it literally, because if this is true, then Satan is and always has been trying to sow a seed of offense and a root of bitterness towards God into the hearts of, in the hearts of people. And they don't even realize it. 
I mean, it literally doesn't make logical, rational sense why people would have such a visceral reaction to the name of Jesus. And what we know is that it affects you, too. Like, in your own life, the seed of offense is planted, it's watered by unforgiveness, and the bitterness takes root and grows fruit. And it doesn't just affect you. And when we talk about it, it defiles many, like... It doesn't just affect your relationship with God. It, it affects, well, it affects other people. The Bible says that it, that it defiles many, which means that it affects your marriage, that it affects your family, that it affects your friendships, that it, that it affects the people that you love. It affects your workplace, your church. Bitterness spreads kind of like crabgrass. I mean, crabgrass never just stays in your own yard, does it? It always spreads to your neighbors. That's how you got it in the first place. It spread from the people around you. It's kind of like crabgrass. Have you ever found yourself offended about somebody else's offense? Like it's somebody else's offense, but like you find yourself offended for them or with them. Like you're like, we're going to do this together, right? We're going to be offended together, right? And we, honestly, I'll be honest, like even in, in church, we, we will spiritualize it sometimes and say, well, you know, I'm just like, you know, I'm trying to just like carry one another's burdens. I mean, the Bible says so, so we should do that. <laughs> Let me just tell you, offense, bitterness will oftentimes mask itself as biblical unity. But there is nothing holy about it. right under the mower, <laughs> goes right under the mower. Because when you take the offense of someone else on you, a root of bitterness begins to grow in you. Kind of like crabgrass. And he goes on in verse 16, he says, see, see that no one is sexually moral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. What's, what's the Apostle Paul referencing? He's all of a sudden talking about Esau and, you know, giving over his inheritance for a single meal. There's this crazy story, and I'm going to just read a portion of it to you in case you've never heard it before. It's a crazy story in Genesis chapter 25. It's so outlandish and, 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 and unreal. It's, it's crazy. Uh, just starting Genesis 25 verse 29, it says this. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, famished. He was a hunter and he was absolutely starving. He was like your teenage boy, right? Like, and he said to Jacob, his brother, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I am famished. And this is why he was also called Edom, which means red. And Jacob replied, first, as he's stirring the stew, first, sell me your birthright. Now, if you don't know what a birthright is, a birthright is essentially the inheritance that goes to the, the, the sons in that family, right? And the oldest son would get a double portion of that inheritance at the time of the father's passing. Would, the oldest son would get the most. And so the younger son's cooking the stew, and he's like, tell you what, we'll trade birthrights. Give me your birthright. And, and so Esau's like, look, I'm about to die. I mean, typical teenage boy. I am about to die. Like, what good is it? This birthright to me, right? And Jacob says, well, swear to me first. 
And so he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to his younger brother, Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew, and he ate and drank, and then he got up and left. And so Esau despised his birthright. So long story short, Esau gives up his inheritance for a bowl of soup. What is, it, what, is the, what is the writer of Hebrews talking about? Why is all of a sudden he's, is he mentioning this in the midst of a root of bitterness and all of that? I think it's this, that bitterness will tempt you to give up what matters most for what matters in the moment. And it will cause you to not to be able to see past an offense and see the bigger picture of what's going on behind the scenes. Bitterness will convince you that this offense is the biggest thing in your life. And this is the thing that happened to Adam and Eve, right? They're living in the garden. My goodness, they're going to like commune with God in the Garden of Eden. And all of a sudden, they're like, well, God's holding out on me. I can't eat from that tree. All of a sudden, this offense, this bitterness, this bitter root towards God was the only thing that mattered in that moment. And they gave up what mattered most for what mattered in the moment. And Satan wants to defile us in the exact same way. Because whenever you allow an offense to take root, you will be tempted to forfeit your destiny for momentary pleasure. Time and time again. And so we try to convince ourselves that, well, if I just did this, if I just bought this, if I just clicked on that, if I just manipulated her, if I just slept with him, and then, then I would be satisfied. And we give up what matters most for what matters in the moment. And think about what he gave up. Like, gave up his inheritance, the thing that mattered most for a bowl of... Re- the Bible says it is red lentil stew. Sounds disgusting. I mean, it didn't even have meat in it. Soup without meat is wrong. Like, and he's just like, I'm famous. I need, I need red lentil stew. So gross. And you know it didn't really satisfy him. You know, even as he's eating it, he's like, you know, doing the like throw up in your mouth. A red lentil stew to give up everything for something that you're like, I don't know, in the very short moment satisfied you. And I'm sure it felt good in the moment, but he gave up what mattered most for what mattered in the moment. And so I started looking up all the instances of the word bitter and root of bitterness out of reading Hebrews uh, chapter 12. And, and I quickly started noticing something that seemed to be mentioned along with bitterness many times throughout the Bible. So I just want to read a couple scriptures. The first one is in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 3. It says, For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she's bitter. As what? As wormwood. She's, she's bitter as gall. She's bitter as wormwood. Sharp as a two-edged sword. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 18. And the New King James says this. So that there may not be among you, make sure there is no man or woman, clan or tribe among you today whose heart turns away from the Lord our God to go and worship the gods of those, those nations. And then the next verse says, and that there may not be among you a root bearing bitterness or wormwood. And so I, was, I kept seeing this. Every time it was, it was called bitter, like I kept seeing this word wormwood 
in every single one. I think we had the different, different translations up there. We'll get it in the second service. Like this, this word wormwood shows up every time we, we see this word bitter. So what's wormwood? Wormwood's a bitter root that taints a body of water around it to make it bitter and poisonous to drink. It's a bitter root that's not just bitter to the taste, but it's actually poisonous and affects everything else around it. And then I was finally led to the account of Jesus's crucifixion. Let me just give you a, one of the messianic prophecies in, uh, in the Old Testament, Psalm 69, 21 says, they gave me poison for food and, they gave me thir- they, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. And here's the fulfillment in Matthew 27, verse 34. There they offer Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. We saw that word. It's, it, that word means bitterness or an extract of wormwood. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. And the Lord brought my attention to the last part of that last verse. And I always kind of brushed it aside as like just an extraneous detail of Jesus's crucifixion. And maybe that's kind of how it went down. But, but how many of you know that God puts everything in the Bible for a reason? There's no, there's no like, oh, that's just like an extra detail that really doesn't matter. Like if it's in the Bible, it's in there for a reason. And I want you to see something that, um, that I, I never really noticed before that, that they offered Jesus something bitter to drink and he tasted it, but he refused to drink it. And I was thinking about this, like, is it possible that that was the last temptation of Christ? That he was, he tasted bitterness, but he refused to drink it. He must've been tempted to be bitter you would be. If you're hanging on a cross and you'd been beaten and whipped and people have been spitting on you and divided your clothes and all of his followers had either denied knowing him or just ran for the hills. And the Bible says that, that Jesus tasted bitterness, but he refused to drink it. And then he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus, hanging on a cross, despised, rejected, was unwilling to allow bitterness to take root in his heart because he knew what was at stake. He made a choice to forgive and not to become bitter. And today, you and I have the same choice. That we're all gonna taste bitterness in this life. The Bible says that it is impossible that offenses should not come but you and I also have a choice as to whether or not we're gonna drink it. Whether or not we're gonna drink the, the poison and allow a root of bitterness to grow in our own life and to water it with unforgiveness and to allow it to, to grow and bear fruit in our life. Why don't you stand with me? I don't think that I can, I don't think that I can undersell or I don't think that you can underestimate how important this is. If Jesus prayed about it and he also prophesied about it for the last days and the writer of Hebrews and Paul writes about it as something that we need to be aware of, how much more do we need this to be on our radar? I mean, this is so significant in the life of a believer. I'll read it for you again in Ephesians chapter four, verse 31. Paul writes, get rid of all bitterness. There it is again. Get rid of all bitterness, 
rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. And for, I don't know, for you, for me, like, I'm like, I don't want it. I don't want that. Like you read that, you read the list and you're like, I don't, I want to get rid of bitterness and anger and rage and brawling slander. I, I, don't, I don't want these things in my life, but like, how do I, how do you just get rid of these things, right? It sounds so much easier, you know, just, just get rid of it. Like, just, just be done with it. Just don't, just stop it. How do we get rid of that though? And in the very next verse, in verse 32, Paul gives us a little bit of a hint. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So the first thing we see is, number one, is that you starve the root of bitterness with compassion. And you're like, but I don't have compassion (laughs) for that person. Well, that's why you need the Spirit to give you compassion. It's literally how Jesus did ministry. I've I've taught this before. Like every time you see Jesus going around to crowds of people, it says that he was moved with compassion. And after he was moved with compassion, healing would follow, deliverance would follow, feeding of the 5,000 would follow. Jesus was literally led around to do his ministry by compassion. Compassion. And I wonder what what it would look like if we just decided, you know what, like I don't have my own compassion, but I'm going to need the compassion of the Holy Spirit to allow me to have compassion for that person that I have offense and a root of bitterness over, right? Like, God, I need your help here. I need you to, to give me that compassion that I just know that, that I just, I don't have. It's starved by compassion. And, and that second thing we see that Paul talks about, he's like, you can kill the root of bitterness through forgiveness. And let me just say this. It's not because they deserve it. Because they don't. <laughs> That's the point. The, the point is this, that like in Christ, you can be free no matter what they do. In Christ, you can be free no matter what they've done. Because forgiveness is about your freedom. And you set someone else free only to realize that the person you set free is you. (laughs) And so you kill that root of bitterness by forgiveness. And so today, as we we end with this last song, I I don't wanna just give you a brochure about freedom. I wanna give you an opportunity. (laughs) I think that's important, especially, especially with the gravity of what it is that we're communicating and talking about today. Like, I want to take, literally take a moment and I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to just speak to you. Just to speak to you. What, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about right now in this moment? And maybe if you've never done this before, you simply ask him, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me about right now? Maybe you know it, maybe you don't. Just ask him right now. Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me about?
Spirit of God is highlighting something to you, you would be in rebellion not to act on it. That's harsh, I know. But that's how serious Jesus is about it. Because it isn't about them. And it isn't about the situation. It's about your freedom. And he gave up everything for your freedom. And when we choose to allow a seed of offense to grow in a root of bitterness that grows fruit that we don't want, that looks a whole lot like this, Jesus says, I want to pull that out because it's not supposed to be there and it's actually hindering the growth, the growth that I've intended for you. <laughs> so I'm gonna challenge you I'm gonna challenge you to do something. And maybe, maybe you've done this many times before. But as we start singing, even right now, I just wanna encourage you to allow your feet to, to remove the lead from them and to step out into the aisle and to take a walk, long or short, to just come up front and just say, I'm going to give over this today and ask Jesus to pull out a root of bitterness in my life. And it's just a response to what it is that the Holy Spirit's doing. I just want you to know that the Holy Spirit is bringing something up to you that he gives you the very inherent in the word is the power to be able to accomplish it. So you never walk up just thinking, well, I, I, I don't know if I can do this. You can, that's why he can. And so I just wanna encourage you as we sing, just take your step out and begin taking, taking that walk just as a, as, a, as a time of just saying, I'm just consecrating myself before you today, Jesus, that I don't want this in my life and I ask that you would remove that root of bitterness. And I would, I would say this, maybe you just say their name. It's always good to say it out loud because it puts on notice before heaven and hell <laughs> that this no longer has a control over you. So I'm gonna pray for you. And as, as I pray, I want you to just make your way forward as you feel led. Lord Jesus, I pray that everyone within the sound of my voice would choose to walk in, up in response to your leading, that, that our legs would not be led and that we would choose this day to walk in the freedom that only you can do. I dare us to believe you for greater things than what we have considered normal. And so, Lord, may we be marked as a people, unoffendable, that no root of bitterness would grow up in us. Lord, that we can love freely because we have been loved so freely by you. And Lord, I thank you that you alone can do this. And so we lift you up right now, Jesus. And as these people just decide, I'm coming and I'm laying this down, I pray that they would literally feel a root being pulled out of them a root of bitterness that has no place in them right now. And that it's gone over the mower so many times and it's, it's, been, it's just kind of snuck by. But Lord, if you're bringing this up, it is for freedom that we have been set free. And so Jesus, I pray right now for freedom all over this place. I pray that I pray for freedom all over this place, that we would be walking in the fruit of the Spirit and no longer choked out by the weeds of this world. Lord, we thank you that it is for freedom that we have been set free. In Jesus' name, let's worship him together, church. 